0: Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Good morning. How many of you here have just received the PSLE results on last week? How many of you there? Wow. Okay. Okay, some some excitement. And... This morning, before I start the sermon, I just felt that uh, there are some people here, and and me included, that sometimes in the morning, when you get up, that I want to pray for you this morning, that when you get up, there is a, a flood of emotions, a flood of feelings, a flood of thoughts, and then you need to kind of like, you feel like a bit of panic, like today, I'm preaching. But you get up and these emotions attack you. These feelings attack you. These thoughts attack you. And, and then the Lord speaks to me that take every single thought captive. Don't let a stray emotion, a stray thought, control your mind, even as you start this service. So if today, if you feel that there is a flood of emotions running through your heart right now, and a lot of thoughts rushing through your mind. A lot of stray emotions, stray thoughts. Would you please stand up? I'm going to pray for you. Just, wherever you. just stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Just stand up. Anyone else, just stand up. We're going to pray for you. So you get up in the morning and you feel all these emotions. And these thoughts start flying into your mind. And stray thoughts, stray emotions. Anybody else? We're going to pray for you first. All right, Father, I want to pray for all of us that in the morning when we awake and there's a rush of emotions, a rush of thinking, and I pray, Lord, that would you cause us, Lord, to take every thought captive and subject it to Jesus and to take every thought that is stray and to bind it with truth and to subject it to the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, today, as we enter into the time of the preaching of the Word of God, the Lord, that you will keep us centred and keep us focused on what the Holy Spirit will speak to us today. And Lord, I pray against the work of the enemy. And you have given the authority to your church over all the enemy, all the evil forces. And today we take authority and we silence the voices of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we also take authority over every stray thought that is from the world, or from the flesh, and bind it with truth and in the name of Jesus. Because today we have come to meet Jesus to encounter your son God and to be transformed by him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Somebody say Amen. 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 Good morning. We're gonna enter the sermon now. Uh, we're gonna enter, we're gonna enter the final sermon of our series on revivals. This is part seven. We have covered Esther, Jehoshaphat. Elijah, Jacob, Hezekiah, Josiah. And today, is the seventh character of the old covenant that experienced a revival. And this morning, we're going to look at the revival in terms of preparing for Jesus. So this is the final sermon, and, and all were in the life of the people of God. But this one, this message today, focuses on the revival, preparing for the coming of Jesus. And we want to get personal today. That's why I wanted to pray for us with any stray thoughts or stray emotions. And those things get out of the way. And so question, how do we prepare for Jesus? Are you ready for Him to come into your life? When you wake up tomorrow morning, are you ready for Him to come and lead your life? When you get up tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., 7am. Are you ready for Him to come and renew and change your life? Because we are called to a radical last days living, preparing for Him. We're supposed to be living in these days before the appearance of Him in the second coming. The title of my sermon today is Preparing for Jesus. And to do that, we're going to look at the seventh character. It's of the Old Covenant, but he appears in the New Testament. His name is John the Baptist, an amazing guy. And he bridges the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Back then, the last time that God spoke for centuries was through the prophet Malachi. In Malachi 4.5, And this is what he says. I will send the prophet Elijah to you. This is right at the end of the Old Testament. Before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. This is the last prophetic message to the people in the Old Covenant. And then God is silent for 400 years. And then a Kairos moment appears. One of those moments that shifts history and changes our life. John appeared. I've got a picture of John. It's an oil painting done in the 16th century. And in this picture, he's baptizing his cousin Jesus. So for 400 years, there is silence. And then he appears. And history forever changes, and our life changes. And a great revival broke out. I'm going to ask you to stand with me to read Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to ask the men to read the odd verses, and the women to read the even verses. We're going to read together. Men, in those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. I baptize with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Heavenly Father, we thank you because every scripture is inspired by you. And it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the man and woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good thing. And today, Lord, we are under the authority of your word. And we know that one word from heaven can transform our life. And we come on Sundays, we come on, on our gatherings to meet the living God, that our lives can encounter you And not be the same. We can be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So Heavenly Father, do not keep our lives the same. But change us and transform us according to what is spoken in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. All of us say, Amen. Amen. Preparing for Jesus. Matthew chapter 3. Verses 1 to 12. May the Holy Spirit remind us that Jesus is coming. And like John, may our calling be preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. How do we prepare the way? We look at John the Baptist. And, and this, the next one, is not my first point. But the next point is actually like a point zero. It's about the preparer. It's about the opening act the main act. When you go to a concert, sometimes there is a kind of a new artist or a young artist coming up to do an opening song. And then the real artist comes up for the main act. So John the Baptist is this this opening act. So it's like point zero and my first point is going to be after this. So the preparer, John the Baptist was the preparer. Scripture highlights two things at least about the preparer, John the Baptist. And the first thing is that he's a prophet. The Bible tells us in verses 1 and 4 John the Baptist was the last and the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And, And as one of the Old Testament prophets, he foretold the coming of the day of the Lord. And this last and greatest Old Testament prophet was called to prepare hearts for the coming of the Messiah. For the coming of God the Son. And, and even as I say that sentence, I feel that this is a word of God to river life. That the Lord is calling us to prepare hearts for the coming of the Lord. And that Christmas is coming. And so, what God is telling us prepare hearts for the coming of Christ into the hearts of many this coming December. So in Luke chapter 1, verses uh, 16 to 17, the Bible tells us that um, this preparer, John the Baptist, and many of the people of Israel, will, be, will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit. This is like Elijah, an Elijah-like person. That's what Malachi says. Elijah will come to prepare hearts. So this is a prophet in the spirit of Elijah coming to prepare hearts for God the Son and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So we are preparing our hearts to prepare other hearts for the king. So John was a prophet in the spirit of Elijah. And John only had one message. And this one message he proclaimed over and over again. His one message was a message of change. His one message was a message of stripping away everything they stand between you and God. And he backed up his one message by stripping away all luxuries from his life. So camel skin and locusts. One message of change. Let nothing stand between you and God. And to illustrate it, he stripped away all luxuries from his life. And his one message was repentance. Repentance is a message of change. Repent to repent is to completely change our direction in life. There is no repentance without a change in direction. To repent is to turn around is to turn around and turn back to God. Whatever that's hindering you and God is to turn away from that thing and to turn back to God and trust Him alone. Forsake everything ungodly and turn back to the Father. Repentance is admitting, God, you are right and I am wrong. So by nature, we don't want to submit to anybody, even to God. So repentance is only possible if God's Spirit works in our heart. Repentance is something given by God. And that we acknowledge that we can't do this on our own. Too many things hinder us, stand between us and God. We need God to acknowledge God. God, We can't do this on, we can't turn around. And we allow Jesus, the King, to be our King. We acknowledge Him, that He may come in and move freely in our life. So John the Preparer was a prophet. He had one message, and that message was to repent, turn around. Trust God only. Forsake everything ungodly. Strip away everything between you and God and turn back to Him. And and John the Baptist had one message. His ministry, which catalyzed revival in verses 5 and 6, he baptized people. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And this repentance to prepare for Jesus. Jesus' baptism, on the other hand, the one that we do in, in contemporary Christianity in River Life, is the baptism that identifies with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We just baptized 29 people two weeks ago, and it was a joyous, festive, and a festival carnival like atmosphere at Victory Chapel for those of us who were there. That that is the baptism of Jesus. And then back to John's baptism. John's baptism included an open confession of sins. And in John's baptism, you confess your sins openly. It was very humbling to kind of confess your sins in a public setting. That is because without confession, baptism is meaningless. That is why we share our testimony during baptism. That is why we ask every candidate to submit a testimony, which is like a confession, a repentance. So water baptism demonstrates that repentance is real. Water baptism demonstrates that repentance is real, that I am submitting to God. So the first demonstration of a change Because repentance is change. The first demonstration of repentance, of change of heart and mind, is submitting to water baptism. This is the first commandment that the new convert obeys. It shows that repentance is real. The change is real. So when we are baptised as a Christian, we are declaring that we have repented of our sins. That it is real. And now we are putting our trust in Jesus. So repentance goes with faith. There are two sides of the same coin. Repentance and faith. So John's ministry catalyzed revival. So hundreds, uh, some other scholars estimate thousands, repented and got baptised. And and you read the Bible, they had to cross desert and come all the way through Judea and go to the Jordan to be baptized. So there are obstacles on the way to the greatest revival that John brought. Obstacles across the desert. Obstacles between you and this revival. Obstacles between me and God. The hindrances. So John the Baptist talked about the way to the spiritual revival of our hearts. He says, fill in the potholes. Fix the bridges. There are hindrances between me and God. So fill in the potholes. Prepare the way. Mend the way. Fix the bridges. And remove all the obstacles to go deeper with God. And so, River Life, we will not experience a spiritual awakening in our lives. In our church life. If we don't remove the obstacles. If we don't get rid of the hindrances. And unless we come to the same revelation of John the Preparer, John the Baptist, of who Jesus is, there'll be no awakening in our lives. Who is Jesus to you? John saw beyond that, he's my first cousin, that he is God. And He is a claim over my life. John saw beyond the fact that He is the son of Elizabeth to that He is King and I need to obey Him. Unless we have a revelation of Jesus like the way Scripture tells us, then we can't experience awakening. We can't experience this revival that is talked about. We need a a revelation of who he is and that he's on the way. John the Preparer, John the Baptist prepared the way. He was a prophet, the last and the greatest prophet. And he had one message. Change, repent. Repent. And he baptised a whole bunch of people. There was a revival at that time. And he brought the greatest revival here in, in this, uh, the first part of the New Testament. But he was not the final authority. He spoke about the coming greater one. The main act. And we're going to move to my first major point today, which is, number one, our king. Our King, Jesus, He's coming. And that He will come and He will make things right. On Friday, I was transfixed on the news about the release of hostages. And yesterday as well. And and we see these things, and and we see the, the war continuing in Ukraine as well. There's so many things that's going on. And we see incidents between China and the Philippines in the South China Sea. And between China and Vietnam and some of these these other states down there. And we see so many things going on around us in our lives. And we realize that our King is coming. He's going to come and make things right. And there are two truths here about our King that we need to grasp. We need to have a revelation about who he is. And the first thing about this king is that he's at hand. John the Baptist promised that Jesus is coming. He's at hand. The lamb of God that, that takes away the sins of the world. He's on his way. He's on it. He's going to come back. He's going to make things right. And, and John called us. To prepare our hearts for Him, John is called to prepare a people ready for Him, and and that He's so close. We have to prepare the way and make, fix the bridges, fill in the potholes, and remove the obstacles. And because Jesus is at hand, He is on the verge of coming back. He's almost back, and. So, the Bible says, it's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is coming because the king is coming. So Jesus, the king, is going to bring the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5 and 6 tells us. So John, the preparer, is paving the way for the rule of God to be upon planet earth. That's what John is doing. And that's what the modern church is supposed to be doing. Preparing the way for the return, paving the way for the rule of God on planet earth. And I ask you, have you made this kind of heart preparation? Have you personally invited Jesus to occupy the rightful place in your heart? allow him to be king. Jesus is at hand. And the other thing about Jesus is that he is going to bring final separation. Verses 11 and 12. 11 and 12. He's going to bring the great separation and the final separation. Now, let me, let me talk about verse 11 first. The, the greater coming one that John talks about. The greater coming one is going to bring a greater baptism. In verse 11. And John mentions two other baptisms that is not linked to his baptism of repentance that prepares for Jesus. But the one who is coming, whose sandals I'm unfit to untie, is going to bring the greater coming one a greater baptism. And in verse 11, there are two baptisms. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism in fire. So in verse 11a, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And many of you have experienced a Pentecost in your own lives as you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And verse 11b talks about this baptism of fire. Fire. And that talks about future judgment. And we're going to focus on verse 12 on this future judgment. So you will you will get a revelation of who he is and how close he is and what he's going to be doing when he comes back. So John announced the coming of the day of the Lord. On the 1st of October when I spoke to you, I explained to you the day of the Lord is when Christ comes back after the great tribulation. And so John the preparer pointed to Jesus who's going to bring in the awesome day of the Lord. In other words, the end of the world, as we know it. And so Jesus will come back. He will bring judgment and salvation. He will bring wrath and grace. Right, And He is God who sorts human lives. (laughs) And you're wondering... About my life, and your life, right? How is God gonna sort my life? Actually, you do it every day, right? You, 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 you sort every day. You go to the supermarket, you take fruit. And then you think, oh, you know, this is good fruit. And you take this good fruit. Sometimes you press, 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 press it's got bad fruit already. You put, it, you put it back. It's the same with the final judgment but the stakes are a lot higher. God's going to gather the wheat, but the wicked will be like shaft. Shaft is like the outer husk that's thrown away. They're thrown away and burned up. We don't want to be chaff. We don't want to be the external husk that's thrown away and burned in the unquenchable fire. So today, the same two options apply to all of us in the modern church. Fruit or fire? Fruit or fire? Fruitful repentance brings grace. Fruitless repentance brings fiery judgment. So the same option lies to us. Fruit or fire? So Jesus will gather those who are his and burn those who are not. And this is a picture in verse 11 of God claiming the people for his very own. It's a picture of the final judgment and the great separation between the believers and the unbelievers. And because he's coming, and because he's near, the wheat will be gathered into the barn. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Verses 7, 8 and 9. The Bible says this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from the day of the Lord, from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of Of His power. So the final separation is the reason for our preparation. This final separation is the reason for our preparation. And we who are trapped in sin must repent. And respond because judgment is coming. The king is coming back. Are you ready? Am I ready? Changes are needed to make our heart right. Have you made that kind of heart preparation? Is He Lord? Is He king in your life? Is He directing, changing your life? And, and I want to move on to my next major point is our preparation. Number two is our preparation. And the thing is, how do we get ready? Is the question. And the answer is a life of repentance. A life of continually turning back to God. We may fall seven times, but each time by the grace of God we get up again and we keep on following him. How do we prepare for the coming of the Lord? We repent. And this is our preparation. Repentance is tied in with the coming of the kingdom of heaven. And this kingdom is only entered into by repentance a change, a turning around. Many think that we are good because we come to church every Sunday. And even during the COVID time, we come online every Sunday also. Others feel that they are good with God because they were raised up in church. Their uncles and aunties are all over River Life Church. And we presume we don't have to change. When we come face to face with the coming King. But this scripture tells us that skin-deep repentance is not going to cut it. This scripture tells us that something for sure is not going to work. And, and, and this John talks about they were confessing their sins. Be real before God because God already knows our mess. He already knows our junk. I was um, sharing with my staff team that I'm also repenting from burying and suppressing my feelings. Started at a very young age and I felt dumb Growing up, for feeling frustration, I felt silly for feeling grief as a guy. And I struggled with difficult emotions like fear, like anxiety. So, what I did was I ignored these feelings and I moved on with life. And we live in a fast paced society. I did not want to be dealing with these emotions in case it got out of control. I wanted to be in control. And so I do not think about them, I just moved on. And you know, when I was more spiritual, I would say, I, I will ignore my feelings, or just trust God. Those were the days when I, I was a bit more spiritual. Other days I would just say, I ignore them, I'm going to move on. Life has to move on. And we are, we, are, we are judged not by how we feel, how we perform. But that's not how it works. I can try. But all these emotions that are suppressed and ignored will come out some other way in dysfunctional behavior. So I see myself binge-watching Netflix, for example. I can watch movies for hours. Or I can eat dessert, especially with chocolate ice cream with nuts. Non-stop. And I, I, I see the comments that I make, the, the thoughts and thinking, and workaholism. Initially, I thought, I thought this workaholism bit in my life that I'm also overcoming, I, I, I imagine it's because of insecurity. I try to prove myself. Be somebody in life, you know. But now I'm thinking, maybe that's still true. Maybe there's other things. I'm suppressing all these emotions. It's coming out in other ways. So I'm I'm repenting before the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, you know, you made me as a human being, body, soul, and spirit, and an emotion is supposed to tell me something is going on inside. It's like a like a barometer of sorts. And so now I'm learning to go before the Lord and pour out my hearts before the Lord. Pour out my heart before the Lord. And trust Him with all these emotions. Uncomfortable as I am with them. Messy and ugly as the emotions is. I'm saying, Lord, you made me this way. Lord, that there is a reason. I'm gonna come before you, I'm gonna pour my heart out to you, and I want to be genuine before you. I don't want to hide anymore. And so I was sharing with the staff. This was on Tuesday, and I, I'm learning, I'm growing, and 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 I realized there's a huge difference between showing and really changing. John says that look for the fruit. And what is fruit in keeping with repentance? What is this fruit? And the answer is, there has to be evidence of a changed life. In other words, repentance, there will be a difference in our life. There's going to be a change in our life. And I want to speak to our men as well, especially in a performance culture. Ignore our feelings and just move on. So many things to do. And we are judged by our performance. And after a while, we will not be able to access our feelings anymore. Whether it's negative or even feelings of joy. Excitement, happiness, gratefulness. So, what is this fruit? So, I'm also speaking to myself. In keeping with re- repentance, it has to be evidence of a changed life. And so, true repentance always results in a changed life, and a changed life yields good fruit. Is verse eight? No fruit means there's no real repentance. Means there's no real change. There's no real faith. There's no real salvation. Because repentance means we turn around. We remove the obstacle. We fix the the bridge. Fill in the potholes. Remove the obstacles. And go deeper with God. And there's going to be a difference. Fruit in keeping repentance. So River life, we cannot have True repentance without a changed life. Without a new life that's oriented around Christ as our King, as our Saviour. And God's Word here shows at least three characteristics of fruitful repentance. Remember earlier I told you about fruitful repentance that brings grace and fruitless repentance that brings fiery judgment. So there are three characteristics of fruitful repentance that we see here. The first mark of fruitful repentance, verse 7, is that it's continual. Too many of us feel that repentance for sins is a one-time thing. I've done it already. The moment I became a Christian, I repented already. Too many of us think this way, feel this way. So in this story, the Sadducees, who were like more liberals, and the Pharisees, the, the more uh, legalists, both their hearts were not right. They were both not sincere before God. They were happy to carry out a one-time show of repentance. But there was no fruit. There was no change in keeping with Repentance. Fruitful repentance is not a one time show. It must take place every day. It's a daily denial of the lusts of the flesh and ongoing death to the world and life in Christ. It's a life of continually turning away from sin, continual repentance and toward Christ. And each time we turn away from sin and toward Him, His Spirit works more and more to transform our life, renew our mind, to become more and more like Jesus every day. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said that if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself take up His cross daily and follow after me. Every day we wake up and He's leading us. He's renewing us. He's changing us. The second mark of a fruitful repentance is that it's personal. Too many of us think that Repentance is this generic, uh, kind of weird, airy-fairy, oh, Father, uh, forgive me, I have sinned. That kind of, uh, kind of uh, generic stuff. We don't own it. We don't specify it. It's kind of a general, you know, vague thing. Repentance that never confesses the depth of our sin, the depravity of our sin is fruitless repentance. Fruitless. Fit for nothing but fiery judgment. Sin is a grave offense against the holiness of an infinitely offended God. Our Father who has done everything for us, who has got the lengths for us, and if we trivialize this, we don't take this seriously. And in verse 10, the Bible says that your family connections cannot save us. Oh, I, I know you know somebody that's so such a strong Christian in my household, in my family, you know. Only repentance can save us. Repentance that's personal, that's deep and honest will find God's grace working in our lives. Personal repentance will bear the fruit of holiness in our lives. There has to be a genuine turning to God, turning away from something and turning to God in our lives. And a genuine heart change before God will result in a life change before others. And, and that is repentance that's personal. It's continual It's personal because we live in a fallen world. Why is it continual? Because we live in a fallen world. We have a fallen nature and we contend with a fallen angel who attacks us. So repentance is continual and it's personal because we live in a fallen world, in a fallen nature and contending with fallen angels. The third mark of fruitful repentance is that it's immediate. Too many of us think that repentance is a someday thing. We will someday get right with God. But right now, I'm enjoying sin. Thank you very much. I'm liking sin very much right now. Someday, I'm going to get my heart right with God. But right now, I'm enjoying sin. And people like this, they are not making hard preparation because they have overconfidence in time. You don't know how much time you have. I don't know how much time I have. The Bible says in verse 10, the axe is already at the root, meaning total destruction. What is chopped down is going to be thrown into the fire. So the Bible tells us, act now, not someday, but today. This command is urgent. It's not just continual, it's not just personal, but it's immediate. So we bear we bear, we bear good fruit by trusting Jesus and living with Him as our leader, allowing Him to influence our life and orientate our life around His word. Whenever God's word contradicts our life, we, we say, okay, Lord, you are right and I am wrong. The worship team can, can, can come to the front, uh, can come to the stage. The way... To prepare for Jesus is to repent. Is to repent. Repentance is a complete change in the way we think, feel, and behave. Repentance is a complete change in our attitudes, in our affections, and in our actions. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus. He gets a people prepared for this Jesus. The world's greatest rescue story is about to unfold. And Jesus and, and John says, get ready. That's it. That's his message. Change. Get ready. Because he's coming. So are you ready? Have you made this kind of heart preparation? Now is the time to get ready because if we don't repent today, our hearts will get hardened. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me to worship the Lord with this song. Let's worship before we we pray together. Thank you for listening to The River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about Riverlife Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.